This is Eugene Ballet at the Bar. Thanks for tuning in. This is a podcast hosted by the dancers of Eugene Ballet with the goal of connecting with our audience here in Eugene, as well as the entire arts community of Oregon. We will be discussing our art form from the point of view of dance artists, as well as hosting discussions with other artists, both within and outside of our community. We hope to be a platform where artists can be introduced to our audience in an open, in-depth manner that goes beyond what you may see on the stage. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our sixth episode of Eugene Ballet at the Bar. My name is Mark Tucker, hosting today. I am joined with two guests, uh, one second-time podcaster, my beautiful wife, Danielle Tolmi, and our first-time podcaster, take it away, Haley Tavanati. Haley Tavanati. Um, we are going to be discussing today ballet and identity, and I have a fun story of how we uh, kind of came to that topic that I'll get to in a second. But first, I wanted to touch on some few, or some, a few uh, announcements. Eugene Ballet is working very hard behind the scenes to bring back ballet to our community in whatever form that may take place in the future. Um, Many discussions going on to what that might look like. But we have been gifted a $100,000 matching grant for our new Midtown Arts Center building uh, that is being constructed as we speak. It is a tremendously um, inspirational facility. I had, I had an opportunity to tour it. It really is a world-class dance facility. It will be capable of housing not only dance, but all of the major arts organizations in our beautiful city. It is a amazing thing. Please get connected with us, eugeneballet.org. Uh, you can follow us, Eugene Ballet Company, on Instagram, our Facebook accounts. Um, we have another exciting announcement from the Academy. Uh, Danielle, you wanna take this one? Yeah, we just wanna send out a big thank you to the Veterans Memorial Association, our neighbors. Uh, the Vets Club for donating their outside space for us to hold plies in the park. And it's a class with uh, for kids ages 4 to 7. And it's been great because we've been able to be outside. They've been able to be 6 feet apart, keep them in the fresh air, and they don't have to wear masks. And they've just been having the best time. And so we really appreciate the Vets Club for allowing us to keep inspiring our young dancers. The, I, I've only seen uh, videos of it, but the Stoke is truly alive. Mm-hmm. They have all of their props, their hula hoops, their scarves, yes. um, platforms for jumping on and off of it. It was um, delightful to watch and in a safe environment. So yeah. that was also uh, wonderful. Thank you to the Vets Club. Um, so today we're going to talk about ballet and identity. Um, Haley, you want to give us, just before we kind of get into it, just a quick bio, um, how many years you've been dancing with the company, uh, where you trained, sure. where you grew up, maybe? Of course. Okay, well, my name is Haley, and this is, uh, I've been with the company for three years, so we're going into my fourth season. Um, the fourth season looks a little different compared sure, to the yeah. first three, definitely, but... I don't know. It's not 
no less exciting. Nothing like well. a challenge to get your creative juices flowing. Exactly. I feel like it's really been pushing all of us to move forward in a different way and get creative with how we can move forward. Yeah, and communication. Together. It's brought us to this podcast. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Creating a lot of new content and getting everybody involved, and I think that's really exciting helping build our own platform to put ourselves out there even more. Yeah, we've been talking about this a little bit, but I, I think the term social distancing is just not the most efficient way to describe what we need right. to be doing. We need to be socially close. We need right. to be in our communities and we have need to keep, support systems. Keep that connection. Yeah. That's yeah. so important right now. Physical distancing, that's responsible. That that keeps us healthy, but social, you know, community we want to be close we want to be talking to each other we want to be sharing our ideas very much so it's your fourth season yeah it's my you've loved season. every moment of it i have okay. it's been it's been a very fun journey i'm totally biased set it up that way i know um yeah no it's been great um i did uh my my most formal training for ballet was done um i was in New York for four years and I trained at the Gelsey Kirkland Academy of Classical Ballet um, and that was a really amazing experience. Um, cool, I would love to get back to that maybe a sure. little later in the podcast, just the experience of training in New York City, oh, yeah. living in New York City. Oh yeah, uh, it ties yeah, it's, in. It's it, exciting. It ties it's into this. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Um, and then before that, you, you grew up? Before that, I grew up in Tracy, California. Right on, our neighbors down south. Yep. Neighboring. <laughs> oh, sorry. How is that our neighbors? <laughs> I don't know. It funny in my head, so I said it. Um, well, I, I guess let's get into it. So, um, I just, a little conversation that Haley and I were having behind the scenes when I was. Uh, talking about the podcast and inviting her on I she was like oh I don't I don't know what I want to talk about right. uh, put words in your mouth directly and uh, <laughs> <More or less. laughs> and I was saying well what do you love the most about dance and I figured that would inspire some you know element of conversation that we could have we could share and she goes I hate that question so much <laughs> that's exactly what I said and uh and what did, you, what did you say? You said something along the lines that ballet is so integrated in our lives, it's hard. You can't pick one thing that's... Like, it's, it's too broad of a question. For right. Me. Like, it's... Like, we're so involved. Like, it's our whole entire lives. So, like, how do you just pick one thing right. of it that's your favorite? I mean, maybe some people can, but for me, I can't. Yeah, I and I have a hard time. Just I don't think it's we a want lifestyle. To. It's it not absolutely a lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it really is. So uh, you know, Danielle and I have talked about this a lot. We spend when we were dancing uh, last season. I would say, well, last season was special because Danielle was pregnant. Right. But on average, we would take class in the morning. Mm -hmm. We rehearse a full day. And then we would dedicate at least two hours in the gym every day. And, and also starting our day with some type of workout to get our body ready. Some sort of warm-up. For the day. You know, it's going to be sore from our hours of rehearsal the day before, stiff. So you wake up and you're already 
starting that process. Yeah. Right? Just could say this because she's my wife. She starts every day with an hour and a half of yoga. That's just, it's a must get mobile. It's the baseline. Without that hour and a half of yoga, I have a very grunchy, grunch, grunchy, grouchy wife. It's like grumpy and grouchy together. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I mean, it's, it's a big part of our day to day. Right. Um, when did, when did you start dancing? When did you take your first dance class? When did Let's I take there. my first dance class? Um, I suppose when I first started dancing, they weren't formal dance classes because it was integrated into my preschool. So I started when wow. I was about three or four. Three or four. Right. Right. That's because, incredible. Yeah. So during the day, it was a, it was a preschool. And then in the afternoon, the, our teacher, Miss Deborah Skinner, um, she ran a dance studio, and so she obviously would just include dance yeah. and physical movement and just that creative process into the into our lives, like every yeah. single day while we were so young. And yeah, it really stuck. Yeah, when yeah. when did you start dancing? I had just turned four, so I was also quite young, and I feel yeah. like most women in ballet start at that age um i love to yeah marks was a, a bit different of a path um yeah i didn't i i took my first dance class it was via a summer like collaborative experience it was musical theater experience we did acting mm -hmm. there was an acting component acting classes we had voice lessons and then broadway jazz was kind of how it was described in the plan for that and i can remember nine years old doing a chasse ball change from side to side, <laughs> jazz hands, and, and I fell in love with what it was like to move. Yeah. It just, yeah. it, it, maybe it, that's not the moment I fell in love, but it's the moment I realized I was in love. And I think there's something to be said for that realization. It just uh -huh. like electricity through my body, lifelong um, addiction seems to have a negative context, but I think you right. could say it's kind of like yeah. an addiction. It's just something that, that calls you you're called to, to do it. You're, you want to explore it and yeah. spend as much time feeling that feeling, that love. That's how we got to where we are today. It's yeah. totally Each true. It's, uh... You know, when, I, when Mark asked me to be a part of this podcast, I started thinking about ballet as my identity and, and really when that happened. And what I was thinking about is, you know, I started when I was four, Haley started when she was three or four. Mm -hmm. Most of our memories as children, the ones that we, st we still remember, are around that age. And so for me, I don't remember what my life was like before ballet was a part of it. Mm -hmm. I can remember taking classes, being really small, but again, it's been so much a part of who I am for so long that of course it's it's my identity and and it's the same thing too when people ask you know when did you know you wanted to be a professional dancer hmm. that's a pretty common <laughs> one and it's like well it's all I've ever known it's I mean it's it's what I've loved the most I, I loved movement and of course this was what I was going to do. There was never a, a doubt or I never had one of those like aha moments um, for me. It was just 
just a natural progression, but it really becomes your every thought and yeah, every drive. You spend every, all day thinking about how to be better or literally training your body and, and you have this like idea in your mind where you have these goals and you're pushing, you're stretching and it hurts and you mm-hmm. do your plank for as long as you can then you take a two minute break and then you go as long as yeah, you can. Right. I feel like I was a little bit different. Like I, of course I always loved dance but it was, it was definitely recreational when yeah. I grew up. Like it was pretty much my only sport. Like I tried a couple other things. Like I tried swimming, I tried soccer, etc. Yeah. But you know, dance was what I always end up sticking with. Um, but I, it's not like I always dreamed of being a professional dancer when I grew up. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, I felt like my options were always very open. I was, uh, school came very naturally to me, mm-hmm. academic studies. Like I enjoyed studying. Um, I really loved math and science. And so yeah. I felt like I had a lot of career options, and I'm always excited to... I want to love with you. I yeah. love math and science, but nothing came naturally. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I know, yeah. Especially for artists, I feel like usually it's like the other side of the brain. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, science and everything, so... Totally. Yeah, and I love yeah. yeah I don't know. Funny. You guys might know this, but I'm totally dyslexic. It was, yeah. a, it was a real grind <laughs> in cool. school. Yeah. Um, which is one of the reasons dance was, uh, maybe one of the reasons dance was so appealing outside of school. It was just um, communicated to me on a level that I resonated without feeling like I was different or inhibited in any way. Plus I, I was absolutely in love with it and so I had that secondary drive. Go ahead, but continue your, yeah. your... I mean, just like it, basically it wasn't always my identity yeah like I had a lot of other things going on um but I guess around 16 was 15 or 16 I did my first summer intensive um and from that point on that's kind of like when a shift something shifted my focus yeah I think that's around the age when kids start finding things that they really can get in tune with Mm-hmm. And they start like their focus can just be pulled one way or another, or they start like honing in on something. Um, kind of identifying if they can really be successful at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like different things that they want to pursue. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of that's around the age that first summer intensive. I r- realized like, hey, I really enjoyed it and it was different it was like I can do this yeah yeah it was fun it was I felt like I was pushed more that summer than I had been Mm -hmm. um yeah just in comparison to like the regular recreational ballet classes and dance classes that I had been doing and everything and um something about that made me want to pursue it uh more So, We've actually yeah. talked a little bit about it with Alessandro and Will on the podcast, just falling in love with the challenge. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely discussed it a lot as Danielle and I have progressed through our careers where there's been very distinct points where we really feel like we only want to be challenged. We mm-hmm. don't want to do things that we're just simply good at. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess... Uh, the tricky part about that is they're the things you're good at that there's something that 
you can give to an audience that um, I don't know that that you really shine, mm -hmm. and so why should you not appreciate that? But it, but uh, there's definitely such a an appeal to finding that new challenge and that new level of right. of depth. That's maybe. exactly what it was. It was a new challenge. Yeah. Because I hadn't that maybe explored it. Didn't yeah. Provide as much of some. I mean, it was just not so much that, but just it was just in a completely different direction. Mm -hmm. um, something that I haven't had a chance to explore that deeply. Like uh -huh. nothing. None of the training that I had gotten was that professional. It was good training and it was fun and I had I, like a great time. I love my home studio. Um, but yeah, something about being pushed to the next level and just drew me in. I totally hear you. I think yeah. a big part, and, and maybe for people listening, a big part of that training where it goes from like an amateur mm -hmm. hobby to a professional setting is just the amount of time you're spending in the studio. It, it can be, yeah. It starts to take your whole day over, your whole evening. Yeah. You, Danielle would get in the car, speak for her again. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, we didn't say this up front, but Luca is also here. He's our, yes. our special, special guest. So I can hear him again. Um, anyway, but she would get in the car after school, drive an hour and a half. Well, 45 minutes there. Yeah, so an hour and a half round trip. Yeah. Um, and then training would, would go until the evening. Until late in the evening, and then... I mean, on Fridays we would have extra rehearsals, and Saturday I was there all day, so um, social life maybe was not... That is your social yeah, life. That is, yeah, that was my social life. You know, you're so tired after that that you don't go out. It's, it's, you well, you get that endorphin buzz for you sure. Do. You right. do, but it's, it was everything. I mean, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it, it's true. It's, there's something about it that, yeah. uh, that really, you want to spend all your time doing it. You want, it's a, uh, this is not my metaphor, but it's something that I've really related to. It's like a complex language that you want to understand more deeply. And you're in that studio training your body as to understand feeling and movement and how it's related to emotion. And then it, you know, on the other half of that, maybe the other side of the coin, you're you're developing your technique to be competitive with mm -hmm. other dancers and to be the most dynamic sort of choreographic tool or or right. you know instrument of expression that you can be right um, and that takes all your time all your time and all your energy and all your thoughts and you relate everything in life to you know experiences that right. that training that dedication right and so once you start taking it seriously then obviously the next step that's in your mind is getting a job in a company. Totally. And in order to make that happen, that it's so competitive. So and the gap is huge. It's, yeah. Like we want you to have experience, but you can't get experience unless you have a job. And I know that hurdle is tr tremendous. It's, it's for so yeah. Many it's a very difficult transition uh, to go from a student to dancing in a company because they don't most of the time when companies are hiring they don't want you to dance like a student but you've been a student for so long like you, right it's it's yeah. it's Breaking hard it's like the resumes it, or it's like the the job applications that ask for a resume that has like so many years of job experience but you're only like right Right. Years old and so you're like no i'm 17 actually you know i'm 22 and right it's, yeah, that's it, tough. Yeah. Um, 
So it's all, it's obviously a tough transition. And so you're constantly thinking like mentally, how can you improve yourself and then working physically on how to improve yourself. And so that ends up taking up all of your time. So that is like your whole identity because you're right. constantly working on yourself, mm-hmm. but only in terms of ballet because that is your life. Like it's your yeah. hobby and it's your job. Right? Yeah. Your so, passion yeah. and your financial even, support. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But like you're think, thinking about how do I feed myself in order to stay strong? How do I work out in order right. to elevate myself right. in the studio? How, how do I pay rent? Or like then you're worried about mortgage, not, or... not having a job and then you're right. like, how do I get a job? And you're so much... That's exactly it. So it's... even those like cyclical thoughts, like they all tie back in to ballet. And so ultimately that ends up being your entire identity. And I, I mean, I've never had a real world job. I don't know how to explain this, but I'm sure that's relatable in a different sense. I'm sure, I'm sure it, it could be. other careers and people who are driven by their passions or, or not just trying to be successful. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they come across those same challenges, but, but with that close tie to personal identity, I, I think it's just exponentially, I feel, yeah. I feel it's exponentially more difficult. It's so different. Um, but even in terms of like, I don't know, there's so many different things that identity can cover. Right. Like sure, it's just like your everyday, uh, like what you focus on every single day, like who right. you are, what you person, do, what yeah. you do. But also like, um, I think that our identity is, uh, how do I want to say this? It's influenced by like our audiences mm-hmm. or who we're trying, who we're performing for. Who you're performing for, your director, your, your director. colleagues. Yeah. Your yeah, kind of support group, whatever. Exactly. To your competitive group. Whoever, <laughs> whoever you're trying to please, whoever you're working for, mm-hmm. you are in charge of altering your identity to match. What, what you think they might want. Right. What you yeah. think you, they might want. Or what yeah. direction you want to take yourself, put yourself in a position that, like, a job mm-hmm. will want to take you. Yeah, yeah it's, um, I mean, and for you two, it was like your whole life built to those yeah. moments. Yeah. And and I think there is kind of, I don't know if it's culture is the right way to describe it, but there is um, an expectation of that when you're in a dance studio and you're working with a teacher and you're working with 20 students, mm-hmm. uh, which would be... A pretty big ballet class but yeah very competitive you want feedback you want attention you want reinforcement of the things you're doing correctly you're already learning how to perform for that person who's teaching you right um in a sense yeah it's no, I agree. it kind of uh so it's like you build that for, even from a young age and yeah. and i think the best instructors on the other hand um are capable of sort of meeting everyone at their level, mm-hmm. making sure they're challenged appropriately, mm-hmm. making sure they believe that they can accomplish that challenge, and then, uh, you know, uh, stimulate it. So maybe it's not just challenge that stimulates that student, but making sure they're having a good time, making sure they're understanding what it means that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and you guys really... You've been doing it your whole lives. Yeah. I, I came to it in such a different way. Right. Um, 
you know, I didn't take my first dance class till I was nine. Mm-hmm. I was already involved in musical theater. I was so thankful. My grandmother, she had a, she was just very committed to making sure her grandchildren were educated in the arts, were exposed to the arts. So we took, uh, my brother and I took voice lessons. We took acting lessons. We took piano, mm-hmm. uh, studied piano. Um, and then um, dance was kind of, a, it was really uh, marginal for me mm-hmm. until I started doing musical theater. And all of a sudden I was, uh, I got a job in, I grew up in Hawaii with Alamo Shopping Center performing 22 shows of Santa's Lights Parade. And all of a sudden I was a professional performer and I was exposed and my mom was exposed to all these stage moms who were like, your son has to do ballet, he has to round out his resume for Broadway and all this stuff, which, and they were all quite competitive about it. How old were you when that? That was nine, I was nine years old. Oh, okay. Um, it, was, it was awesome, I loved it. Yeah. You know, I do, <laughs> I think that performing it, element came to me naturally that's about the only thing I think came naturally but I, I loved that. being <laughs> on stage yes yeah. and anyway I you know I'm a surfer I was on the water polo team I played uh, both uh, like soccer um, with a club and soccer with a public organization mm-hmm. um, yeah I was on the sailing team I you had a lot of things. Yeah, I had a things. lot of other passions. Lots, yeah, and interests. Interests. You and, did. and I'm so grateful to my mom. I always give her credit for this. She would tell me, do what you love. Mm-hmm. Do all the things you love for as long as you can until you can't do them all at once. And then you have to pick what you love more. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to go. And so as I kind of whittled through all of those other focuses, um, you know, I, I kind of ended with surfing, mm-hmm. water polo, and ballet. And I was 16, uh, excuse me, I was 15. It was my first trip to New York City. I saw Twilight Tharps moving out on Broadway. John Selye was the lead. And I was sitting in that audience, and that's when I knew that's what I wanted to pursue mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. It was such a moving experience and and i already knew i loved ballet but now i knew i wanted to be a professional right like, that's crazy how that's all it takes is like one experience like that like being was, in new york city it blew my mind like sitting in that theater with yeah. all of those other audience members that are like very i don't know very seasoned totally right? like, like a lot of those uh broadway broadway people yeah. are so, and there's such a how do you say there's so much bravado and they're always kind of rambunctious and uh-huh. enthused energy. and energized. You can and, feel it. Yeah. There's nothing like it. It's yeah, for sure. And yeah. I knew. And and in that very same summer, I did my first summer intensive at North Carolina School of the Arts. And yep, dancing six it. hours a day. I knew. I was in love. That's and, crazy. And also being surrounded by young people that were just as inspired. Yes. They were just as hungry and wanted to be successful. And I, I think... It pushes you... That environment, that you know, talk, talk a little bit about what it was like training with Suzanne Farrell in, sorry, did I get that wrong? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kelsey Kelsey. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> we could edit that. <laughs> we'll po- post a correction in the next podcast. Um, Kelsey Kirkland, what yeah. was that like? It was incredible. Um, really, really, really incredible. Um, 
when I first, so that was my second summer intensive uh -huh. uh, that I did was uh, over there. And honestly, I didn't really know who she was. Uh-huh. <laughs> When I first went, like I kind of this prima history yeah, in our pretty ballet, much like, American ballet history. Yeah, just... like I did like obviously a quick Google search of like oh who is this? <laughs> yeah, um, and then I learned a lot more about her, um, and then I was like oh she's she's kind of cool. She's kind of a big deal. She's been around the block a couple times, um, and so that just during that summer intensive, I didn't go with the intention of like making it my life. <laughs> but just at the end of the intensive, I had such a great experience just working with, they had um, all the instructors. It was very uh, Paganova based. Yeah. Um, lots of character dancing, lots of focus on just the, the artistry rather than, yes. I mean, obviously the athleticism too, but the main focus was the artistry. Mm -hmm. um, and so we had like a lot of drama classes and mime classes. Um, and that, nice. Yeah, it was incredible. I feel like that's that's almost rare nowadays. It's I, difficult it, to it find really people is. who've yeah. yeah. And so they, they really put a strong emphasis on that and that really drew me in and I just at the end of the intensive I was feeling so fulfilled and mm -hmm. like I had learned so much and I also had a lot more to learn and uh -huh. that I wanted to learn. Um and they offered uh, me a spot in their year-round full training program. It, I totally hear it. that. Um, <laughs> and that was it. That was it. Consumed yeah, you. So much. it's funny that you say that. Um, I was in a very small pond. I think there were yeah. three men on the island of Oahu <laughs> that were also very seriously training in ballet mm -hmm. um, before moving away. And you know, I felt pretty good out of the three, you know, I could say, well, I, maybe they're better than me there, or they're better, you know, that person's better than me, but I could do this. Right. And it was, yeah, I you was one of the three. The, the best set. Um, <laughs> and uh, going away and training on the mainland in a larger pool of uh, talent, mm -hmm. so to speak, really opened my eyes to how much I really needed to buckle down. Yeah. And uh, yeah, back to it again, I think you fall in love with that. Yeah, that challenge that you like. I need to really be focused, and exactly. when you're 16, uh, I don't know if I could speak for everybody, but a lot of kids are just being kids. They're just right. having fun. Right. Yeah, I think I, I don't know. I didn't fall with the typical teenager group or teenager yeah. mentality of like, I just want to go out after school and like yeah. kick around know. the town and not do anything. A lot of dancers don't. Right. They have that focus and mm -hmm. that drive and, and they really, I mean, they put it in everything they do. It's yeah. not just dance, you know, dance. or mm -hmm. ballet studio and, or the jazz studio here. And the yeah. type of people that it creates, even if you don't end up pursuing it, the, the work ethic, mm -hmm. the discipline, mm -hmm. um, the introspection, like the self-awareness. Yeah. yeah, it's so important. I agree. I think as a human, yeah, yeah. Um, that a lot of people right laugh, really and so I, yeah. So I, as I, yeah. um, sorry, no. as you uh, Danielle, as you continue pushing towards that professional, I guess professional identity as, as mm -hmm. a dancer, mm -hmm. what was your training like? 
You you trained in Connecticut, then you. I um so I grew up actually I started doing competitions first, <laughs> and so I wasn't when I said that dance was all I ever and had ever loved or ever known. It wasn't necessarily ballet. I. Or like the discipline of ballet. A discipline of ballet. I mean, I really loved just dance, and so I never pictured myself. Doing ballet, I thought it was quite boring at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do more of that musical theater route. Uh-huh. Um, I loved jazz. I loved to t- do tap. Um, and then it was um, one teacher, Bart Cook, who was a uh, principal with New York City Ballet, who I had taken a master class with, that told my mom that I was talented in ballet and that I really needed to start focusing on it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I kind of fought it for a while. But I found a better school for ballet training. Um, and they were the ones that started to push me to go away to summer intensives. I went away my first when I was 12. Um, and then went away every summer after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had this dream that I was going to get a job straight out of high school. And it was just, everything was going to work out perfectly for me. And right. of course, that's what we all did. Yep, for. did not happen <laughs> like that. Um, and so I ended up going to the University of Utah for four years and I double majored in ballet performance and business management Um, and I was able to keep training and you know looking back I realized that I wasn't ready at the time to get a job with a professional company but it's hard to realize that in the moment right and again it's like nobody wanted to hire me because I had no training or like no other previous experience and so um I went there and it was it was great. Honestly, I for the first time in my life I had a social life. <laughs> um, I was able to go to football games and do student activities and And it wasn't just dance. And it wasn't yeah. just dance and mm-hmm. um, I did very little sleeping. Right. <laughs> um, to get my double major done in the the two years as well as, you know, have friends and and do things um, but my goal was always ballet even though I got that double major it was always my fallback um, I it was just kind of well if I don't get a job I have it or if I get injured someday I have it um, but I was very motivated to, to get that get that job um, and then I had a teacher kind of helped me get my position here but um again ballet it's it's everything yeah. right and it it's so difficult i think we all identified you know it's it's interesting just to ask somebody how they identify it whether it's a political identity or your your thoughts that you kind of carry with you or mm-hmm. your success as a professional or, or your last performance or a solo you got to do once uh I mean, to keep it just kind of focused on dance, mm-hmm. um, it can be hard to health to balance a healthy, yeah. um, you know, relationship with that identity, especially yeah. when you're you know you're only as good as your last show, or you're <laughs> only as good as your casting, or your, you know. It's tough. Right. Yeah. It, I think now yeah. we're all professionals. It, yeah. It's something we have to kind of work through. Yeah, I think there's a lot of struggles that come from having uh, 
ballet as your identity. Kind of being or just so like close thinking, to it, yeah. Yeah, like just having that as your main identity and that's kind of like your focus all the time. Um, like it, uh, um, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I, I, I hear what you're yeah. saying. Like uh, when you're so yeah. close to your identity and then you do have some hardship or you're down and yeah. you're not like super like emotionally just balanced. Start, things start not going your way. Yeah. Right. And or you're struggling sudden, to get that job, right? That, right. That, and then all of a sudden your identity time. is like, it just, it feels bad. It's yeah. soured. It, yeah. 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 It feels like it sours and then it influences your whole life, kind of like your day-to-day life and you, you just feel down. And all I the feel time. Like it it's can, hard to get it space. It can put you in a spiral yeah. um, when things start going well, high like that. I completely hear you. I've been so fortunate I make a time I try to go at least once every three weeks when we're in season just get in the ocean go surfing wash off all the the struggles and the bad thoughts and right. and try to take a fresh approach when I get out of the ocean yeah. that's mine that's like my outlet. that's a great yeah. thing to have it is I am so fortunate plus I love yeah. it. it yeah it just that's it I think also it's kind of a relatable experience to being on stage and being in the moment and Mm-hmm. That's why that performing can can feel so special, and and then you get off stage, you're like, I don't even remember it. I just want to do it again. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're so fast. So Martha Graham has a quote, and I don't know it exactly, but it says that dancers die twice. That's one of my oh. favorite quotes. Yeah, once when they retire and stop performing, and then obviously once when they do, because it really does feel like mm-hmm. a part of you. Well. I haven't retired yet, but <laughs> um, but I can only imagine what that is going to feel like because right. again, we we've, we've spent all of our lives up until now doing this thing, and then suddenly it's gone. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could change the quote to "Dancers are reborn once." Yeah, <laughs> once. <laughs> I don't know when you. I, it's I don't know. I just trying to put a positive spin on it. Right. I, I completely empathize with that, that mm-hmm. sentiment. It's, mm-hmm. it's such a big part of you and it's, it's been your focus. Right. It's your whole yeah. focus. Yeah. Um, we, Danielle and myself, went through a pretty unique experience this past season because we decided to have a baby. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, is a lot of these things we've been touching on, I guess, came up just in our our daily lives and our life goals and Mm -hmm. like how do we now balance being parents Mm -hmm. and dancers it's a new identity yeah when dance has taken so much of that thought and time and energy and it was a really scary and especially scary transition just because i obviously carried Luca and my body changed and I was no longer able to perform um, so that part of it was too well hard. hang on let's uh Danielle's always a very modest person Danielle <laughs> performed when she was five and a half months pregnant it with Luca I did we did it together it you know we are we are grateful for that opportunity it we should do a whole other podcast yes. on it but, but here know, we have Luca now. We do, but in in those those moments, like I had never had 
a major injury in my career, knock on wood. Um, so I had never been forced to kind of take a step back. Um, and I, I think what helped me get through it, well, obviously, A, thinking about what I was going to have after. But baby, because we didn't, baby, we hadn't named him yet. But, um, Just called him baby. <laughs> you know, I, I tried to stay as involved in the company as I could. Mm -hmm so that I still felt that sense of um, community and that, I mean, the ballet is our family. And so... It, it really is. Yeah. Um, you were still very much involved. Like, you helped a lot with the promotions for the upcoming shows yeah. that you weren't in. And, and I, I mean, I went on tour still with everyone. And, yeah. and you have a unique perspective for that kind of vision. Yeah. And, and now it's, it's kind of, I have dual... Um, Dual identities. Identities, I guess, because now I'm a mom and and also a dancer still, and so now I have the challenge of you know balancing that. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't even know if it's necessarily a balance, but it's. I think that's a balance. Yeah. You, know, you got to balance. You can't be a mom a hundred. Well, you guess you are a mom a hundred percent. Maybe you're just a hundred percent a mom and a hundred percent a dancer. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, like you're just yeah. You're, you're, you've just grown and you're not necessarily sharing. The balance comes in the time right. that you kind yeah. of dedicate. It is, yeah. yeah, they have to blend together. Right. And it's yeah. the process of figuring out the, the balance of it. So no. it's a balance, definitely. Um, certainly, I have this goal, getting through this pandemic, I want to dance on stage and I want my son to be able to experience it. It's, it's <laughs> like, it's keeping me driven. It keeps yeah. me in the garage lifting weights and That's in the good. studio just uh keeping everything kind of relevant that motivation meeting the status quo but i he loves moving around i i don't know if that's just me impressing upon him <laughs> that i love moving around with him in my arms but uh it's um it's fun to watch the joy that kind of comes from that excitement and that thrill something I, I'm definitely committed to sharing yeah. with. It might be part of his identity. Who knows? <laughs> he grows up too. Yeah, now he's pretty much an eater. Yep. He's a smiler. He makes lots of eye contact. Right. And he's very good at going to the bathroom. <laughs> Doesn't have any problems. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No, it's, it's been a joy to balance, uh, balance training and, and, and Luca and parenthood. Yeah, and it's definitely going to keep evolving once we get back into the studio. And right. Which we have plans to do. I can't speak about it in full detail, but all of the people listening, Eugene Ballet is working really hard at finding a way to do it. We are. We're in the works. Yes, and we can't wait. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of our podcast, Eugene Ballet at the Bar. If you like this episode, make sure to share it with your friends and family. We're always looking for new ideas and topics to discuss and share with you. If you would like to send us some of your suggestions, you can do so by writing an email to podcast at eugeneballet.org. We are so grateful for your continued support of our organization. If you would like to make a donation to support the ballet, you can do so by visiting eugeneballet.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.